Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it is not beyond the realm of reason to say that we're living right now. You and me, you and me, Buster, and Ms. Buster, um, we are living in an era of where the, where the public realm, the public square, is dominated by shamelessness. Shameless people doing stuff that you wouldn't do if you weren't shameless. Now, of course, the former guy is uh, probably well well named as the king of all that, going back to at least grabbing them by the you-know-what. But uh, from Kanye West, Kanye West, sorry, yay, um, Kim Kardashian, of course, that's not traveling very far from Kanye West, but um, all the way over to, let's say, the... Um, the most sh- shameless nerd around, Elon Musk. It's just people will say things that, or do things that in an earlier time would have been thought of as, well, okay, mark them down as fool, but not now. Uh, I, I mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, he, like Kim Kardashian and, and Kanye West, seems to enjoy being in the news. He was, again this week, his brain-wiring startup, Neuralink, launched recruitment for clinical clinical trials, people to, particip- people to participate in clinical trials. This is according to the Register of the British Tech Journal. They're looking for someone to, quote, lead and help build the team responsible for enabling Neuralink's clinical research activity. So they're not even looking for test ease yet, just somebody to run the thing, developing the regulatory interactions that come with a fast-paced and ever-evolving environment, unquote. Uh, This is a startup. Apparently it has nothing to do with Mars. So that distinguishes it. It claims to be building the future of brain interfaces that will help people with paralysis and inventing new technologies that will expand our abilities, our community, and our world. It's just that's all. The technology is based around a, quote, neural implant that will let you control a computer or, or mobile device anywhere you go, unquote. So you got to be mobile, too, I guess. Fitted into the skull. Now I was just waiting there. Actually, I'm waiting for, uh, in the podcast version of this show, that's where my sidekick will laugh and say something. Fitted into the skull, the implant will connect micron-scale threads inserted into the areas of the brain that control movement and can be charged wirelessly. You don't want to have to sit beside a socket in a wall for half an hour waiting for your brain to charge up. Of course not. The problem is thinking of the brain as a computer at all is kind of barking up the wrong tree, according to uh, some people who actually work in the area of brain science, unlike, let's say, oh, just for an example, Elon Musk. Tom Versteinen is an associate professor of cognitive neuroscience. He qualifies it. That's at Carnegie Mellon University. 
named after, uh, I guess, the fruit that Andrew Carnegie grew. Quote, we kind of think about the brain as this modular thing where there's a part that processes digital information, another part that makes decisions about objects and so on, and we put it together as if we're jerry-rigging computer programs like we use to build artificial intelligence programs, he says. Well, that's reassuring. I've been doing, he continues, I've been doing research in the brain for about 23 years now. Elon, you've done brain research for none. Yes. And uh, over that time, says Mr. Versteinen, it's become very clear that that's not a perfect description of what's actually happening. Unquote. That's kind of delicate, but other commentators are a little more blunt about Musk's claim that Neuralink would be able to download human memories. What he says. A, a geneticist at the University College London uh, and also a science writer, Adam Rutherford, took to Twitter to say this, and I'm quoting, quote, Absolute balls. This is God-level cockwaffle, typical of the man-balls beloved of these ignorant dorks, unquote. I got to read that again. It's so good. Quote, Absolute balls. This is God-level cockwaffle, typical of the man-balls beloved of these ignorant dorks, unquote. I think that's a, uh, a T-shirt somebody should send to Elon. But speaking of shamelessness, as I just was, we had the, uh, the scene on uh, Friday of the Republican National Committee censuring two of their own Congress members for uh, being on that January 6th committee persecuting, in the words of the Republican National Committee, ordinary people who are just engaged in ordinary political discourse. And um, a, lot of, a lot of comments responding to that. That seemed a little shameless. Um, I think there are two possible explanations for it. One is that the statement was written by artificial intelligence. And two that it's uh, no more, no less than honest speaking. That is to say, it accurately describes the level of ordinary political discourse inside the Republican Party, you know, that they uh, bring bear spray to their meetings. Hello, welcome to the show. the bridges I burn There's not a lot of lessons that I've really learned I'm making the most of this dubious loan But sooner or later we all gotta go home I'm just borrowing it's a bad neighborhood But I keep coming back Searching for mercy In spite of the facts I'm on a mission I don't understand I know 
From New Orleans, Louisiana, where it's way too cold. You, we got your weather wherever you are. We Take it back, please. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And, uh, oh, I'm going to do this first. <clears throat> Sorry. That's the part uh, where in the podcast uh, I talk about my favorite mattress for about five minutes. Anyway, um, starting off with news of this smart, smart, smart world we're living in now. Did, have you ever heard of Diem, not the former president of uh, Vietnam? No, Diem was a um, an idea uh, that Facebook, the Facebook people had. It was a cryptocurrency project funded by Facebook and announced this week, because you've never seen the currency, have you? Well, you, you, don't see it. you don't see a cryptocurrency anyway, but I mean, you... You know what I mean. Anyway, it shut, it's shutting down. 
begin the process of winding down, is what it's saying, and it's selling its technology and other assets. I can't imagine what those other assets would be. This is a nearly two-year-long two year bid to launch a stable coin. Sounds like some kid's going to be doing a lot of cleaning up. No, 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 not that kind of stable. It, it was tethered to real stuff, real currencies, which is why it's called a stable coin, which means it won't be as volatile as coins like Bitcoin that are based on, oh, what do you call it? Nothing. One of our highest priorities in designing the DM payment network was building in controls to protect it against misuse by illicit actors, said the CEO. In the United States, a senior regulator informed us the DM was the best designed stablecoin project the U.S. government had seen, he said. DM was pegged to the U.S. dollar. For those of you who are into cryptocurrency because you don't like the U.S. dollar, your nose, a, 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 a thumbing of the nose in your direction, I guess. But uh, the uh, the uh, head of DM, Stuart Levy, blamed U.S. federal regulators for shutting down the project. Quote, despite giving us positive substantive feedback on the design of the network, it nevertheless became clear from our dialogue with federal regulators that the project could not move ahead, unquote. Didn't explain why. Something criminal? I don't know. Something untoward? Something threatening the U.S. dollar? It's going to drag the dollar down by being tethered to this. Anyway, the uh, assets will be sold to Silvergate, Silvergate Bank. That's a <laughs> This uh, phrase comes from Deutsche Welle, the German news service. A crypto-focused bank <laughs> in California. God, I got to get my money into that thing. Uh, it had partnered with the group to launch the digital currency. It's going to be sold for $182 million. I think in that world that is accurately described with the uh, alliterative phrase, chump change. Silvergate is acquiring DM's assets, including development, deployment, and operations infrastructure, sounds a bit blue sky to me, and, quote, tools for running a blockchain-based payment network, unquote, which they never did, but they had the tools. I think a wrench, basically. Facebook's cryptocurrency project plans raised concerns among global finance officials and regulators, reports DW. Many raised concerns about DM's security and reliability. Those would be mine. My concerns, regulators argued that the service could enable crime, including money laundering and harming user privacy. What? What's that? Last year, some U.S. lawmakers said Facebook could not be trusted to manage a cryptocurrency, urging the company to discontinue the test immediately. Wow. Sounds like they were scared. The combination of a stablecoin issuer or a wallet provider and a commercial firm could lead to an excessive concentration of economic power, U.S. regulators said in a report last year. Oh, they finally noticed. It's interesting. Quote, these policy concerns are analogous to those traditionally associated with the mixing of banking and commerce, such as advantages, advantages in accessing credit or using data to market or restrict access to products according to the report. Yeah, there is a 
sort of a wall between banking and other commerce. I've noticed that as I buy things that my bank sells. Um, so not part of this smart, smart world going forward, ladies and gentlemen, a stable coin from Facebook. I know these things are hard to uh, hard to uh, accept, but that's that's the price of, price of living in this smart, smart world. And now, early in the broadcast, the apologies of the week, right before the mattress commercial. We're so sorry. Deadline Spokane, Washington. The uh, local paper there published an article regarding racist statements from Leslie Haskell, wife of the Spokane County prosecuting attorney. And then he issued a statement saying the allegations in the article don't represent his personal views. According to the article, Leslie Haskell used racial slurs on the right-wing social media platform Gab, which, of course, spelled backwards is bag, expressing her reaction to a New York Post story titled... Joy Reid of MSNBC says conservatives would trade tax cuts to openly say the N-word. Leslie Haskell commented, saying Reid was the true definition of the word and then explicitly typed out the slur. Her husband issued a statement on his official website saying his wife's views do not reflect his own. I want to strongly reassure everyone that what was expressed in the Inlander as my wife's comments are not my views nor the views of the prosecutor's office, nor should they ever be. No amount of republishing of her social media posts will make that so. I have never and will never use such language. I apologize for the language and content as contained in the article. In other posts, she boasts about being a proud white nationalist, saying the white race is dying and that people need to make more white babies. I think we know what people those would be. Larry Haskell says he does not tolerate racial bias or discrimination in any form. Gotta be fun in that household. British Home Secretary Priti Patel, real name, has said she was appalled and sickened by the behavior of Metropolitan Police Officers, revealed in a report. Officers, mainly based at Charing Cross Station in central London, were found to have joked about rape, killing black children, and beating their wives. That's the trifecta. The Met said, Met, the Metropolitan Police say, deeply sorry after the Independent Office for Police Conduct published the findings. Ms. Patel, the Home Secretary, said the force has problems with its culture. They don't see Carmen often enough. She uh, told Parliament the examples of appalling conduct by serving officers could not be dismissed as one-off incidents. Asked if the police department was institutionally misogynist, she said it had cultural and attitudinal issues, suggesting a failure of leadership in some quarters. But she asked confidence uh, confidence in the Metropolitan Police Commissioner to make the changes required. That is a police commissioner by the name of Cressida Dick. I don't write him. An investigation has been launched after a woman attempting to board a London train was dragged along a platform. Passenger tried to board the train at Wood Street Station in Walthamstow, northeast London, when her hand got trapped in the door. The Rail Accident Investigation Board branch 
It's a real thing. Said she was then forced to run alongside the train for about 66 feet before the train stopped. The woman was uninjured. But Transport for London, the agency that runs the trains, apologized. The woman's hand was eventually released when the train stopped and the doors opened. Yeah, maybe private cars are a better idea. And now, ladies and gentlemen, some apologies not read by me, but as heard by the world. First of all, Joe Rogan. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely, I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. He has a different opinion than those men do. I had Dr. Dr. Michael Osterholm on at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, He is on President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board. I had uh, Dr. Peter Hotez on, who is uh, a vaccine expert. I'm interested in finding out what is correct and find, I'm also finding out how people come to these conclusions and what the facts are. I think uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. And uh, I would like to talk to some people that have uh, differing opinions on those podcasts in the future. We'll see. Um, you know, I do all the scheduling myself and uh, I don't always get it right. This, these podcasts are very strange because they're just conversations. And oftentimes I have no idea what I'm going to talk about until I sit down and talk to people. And that's why some of my ideas are not that prepared or fleshed out because I'm literally having them in real time. Um, but I do my best and they're just conversations. And I think that's also the appeal of the show. It's one of the things that makes it interesting. Um, so uh, I want to thank Spotify for being so supportive during this time. Uh, and I'm very sorry that this is happening to them and that they're taking so much heat from it. No, uh, no hard feelings towards Neil Young and definitely no hard feelings towards Joni Mitchell. I love her too. I love her music. Chucky's in Love is a great song. Uh, I don't know what else I can do uh, differently other than maybe try harder to get people with uh, differing opinions on right afterwards. I do think that that's important and uh, and do my best to make sure that I've researched these topics, the, the controversial ones in particular, and have all the pertinent facts at hand before I discuss them. So if I pissed you off, I'm sorry. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, thank you. You know what he could do better? Say that uh, Chucky's in Love is uh, by Ricky Lee Jones. But we'll be hearing more from Joe Rogan. In case you don't know, he has a very, very popular podcast. And by the way, the mattress he sleeps on is maybe the best I've... So now, moving along in terms of celebrity apologies, in their own words... 
Whoopi Goldberg received heavy criticism this week uh, after a comment on the TV show The View that the Holocaust was not about race. She made the claim in a discussion about the uh, Tennessee school district pulling uh, the the uh, novel, com- comic novel, I guess you'd call it, a uh, graphic novel about uh, the Holocaust, Mouse, M-A-U-S. Let's be truthful about it, she said, because the Holocaust isn't about race. It's not about race. It's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man, she quoted. Her co-host, Anna Navarro, said, but it's about white supremacists going after Jews. And Whoopi Goldberg replied, but these are two white groups of people, she said. And uh, the backlash against her continued, and then she apologized. And the Nazis, they would say, yes, it's a racial issue. Well, see, this is what's interesting to me, because the Nazis lied. It wasn't. They... They had issues with ethnicity, not with race, because most of the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me, I'm thinking, how can you, how can you say it's about race if you are fighting each other? So it all really began because I said, how will children, how will we explain to children what happened in Nazi Germany? This wasn't I said, this wasn't racial. This was about white on white. And everybody said, no, 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 it was racial. And so that's what this all came from. So once again, don't write me anymore. I know how you feel. (laughs) Okay, I already know. I get it. And uh, I'm going to take your word for it and never bring it up again. Take our word for it. Like there's no... Nowhere to look it up. Like there's nowhere to look up uh, whose song Chucky's in love with is. Uh, but then, uh, as these things do, the uh, the noise continued about Joe Rogan. As I, I probably should point out to those of you who haven't been following this story, that uh, Neil Young and Joni Chucky's in love Mitchell uh, asked that their music be withdrawn from the Spotify service because they didn't want to be sitting there on the same platform with Joe Rogan. Some other, I think India Irie, Irie did as well. And Spotify is sitting there going, uh, we paid $100 million for Joe Rogan. <laughs> Goodbye. And, um, and Joe Rogan had one more apology in him. There's a clip from 11 years ago. I was telling a story on the podcast about how me and my friend Tommy and his girlfriend, we got really high. We were in Philadelphia, and we went to go see Planet of the Apes. And we didn't know where we were going. We just got dropped off by a cab, and we got dropped off in this all-black neighborhood. And I was trying to make the story entertaining, and I said, we got out, and it was like we were in Africa. It's like we were in Planet of the Apes. I did not, nor would I ever say that black people are apes but it sure sounded like that and i immediately afterwards said that's a racist thing to say planet of the apes wasn't even in africa i was just saying there's a lot of black people there but then i went on to talk about what a positive experience it was and how much fun it was to go to see this movie in a black neighborhood it wasn't a racist story but it sounded terrible and like i said 
you can have clunky stories about anything, but not about race. And so I deleted that whole podcast, but obviously somebody made a clip out of it and taken out of context. It looks terrible, but it looks terrible even in context. And I was just trying to be entertaining. I certainly wasn't trying to be racist. And I certainly would never want to offend someone for entertainment with something as stupid as racism. My hope is that, look, I can't go back in time and change what I've said. I wish I could. Obviously, that's not possible. But I do hope that this can be a teachable moment for anybody that doesn't realize how offensive that word can be coming out of a white person's mouth in context or out of context. My sincere and humble apologies. I wish there was more that I could say, but all of this is just me talking from the bottom of my heart. It makes me sick watching that video, but hopefully at least some of you will accept this and understand where I'm coming from. My apologies and much love. My sincere, deepest apologies and much love. Okay, we get it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say, that I'm impressed. He may not know that Chucky's in love was by uh, Ricky Lee Jones, but he does know that Planet of the Apes wasn't in Africa. So he does some of the... Anyway, a couple more apologies, and we'll uh, move along to the best mattress I've ever... Just for the podcast version. This is from the chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team. Tonight at the Chicago Blackhawks Town Hall, my response to two questions crossed the line. I want to apologize to the fans and those reporters, and I regret that my response overshadowed the great work this organization is doing to move forward. We have the right leaders and the right processes in place to create a safe environment for our employees and players. I have no idea what they asked him. But clearly, he didn't answer correctly. And finally... Dayline Amsterdam. A Dutch publisher has suspended printing of a book that suggested a Jewish notary betrayed Anne Frank, saying there were questions about the research behind it, according to an internal email seen by Reuters. The betrayal of Anne Frank was released about well, last month. It caused a sensation when it said investigators had named a guy, I'm not going to name him, as the main suspect. Other researchers later criticized the findings, saying they were full of errors. The publisher of the Dutch-language edition said in an email to its own authors this week it should have taken a more critical stance on the publication. Quote, we await the answers from the researchers. Of course you do. To the questions that have emerged and are delaying the decision to print another run, we offer our sincere apologies to anyone who might feel offended by the book. Unquote. It did not go into details on the questions and the firm declined to comment further when contacted by Reuters. There's no immediate response to requests for comment by the representatives of the author or from the book's English-language publisher, HarperCollins, owned by Rupert Murdoch. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this program. Hotel, celebratize leading the gold blind. Hotel, 
High above for one away from the sunshine Hotel Bellboy caress while you get the language Hotel He get the bread and you get the sandwich Hotel Scuttling maids crisp and delightful Hotel Linen to change wet from a nightfall Hotel Sister Louise in with the bedpan Hotel I'm on my knees trying to look deadpan Hotel Look here I am, here I am Hotel From New Orleans, this is Le Show, and uh, it's been a big week in Trump world. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Got to do it. Uh, uh, Donald Trump, the former uh, president, had a uh, rally in a little town in Texas, and one of these one of the things he said that made the news, because shamelessness makes the news, is that if he runs and wins the presidency in 2024. And I'm going to put my money down right here, right now. He ain't. But if he does, he said, he would seriously consider pardoning the people at the, who were do, indulging in legitimate political discourse, according to the Republican National Committee, that is to say the rioters at the Capitol on January 6th. And, it's, you know, it's, it's 
Kanye West could have said that because he was talking about running for. Yeah. Um, but and, and would have gotten the same amount of attention. It's just I could say it. Nah. But he said it. That is to say, the former guy. And uh, he kept hammering away at Mike Pence, who, as vice president, presided over uh, the joint session of Congress, which was to finally certify the Electoral College vote, which would make Joe Biden the legitimately elected president of the United States. And uh, as you know, well, uh, President Trump was trying to convince Mike Pence not to do that. And he has said several times in the last year and a, uh, year and change uh, that Mike Pence lacked courage. And that's why he wouldn't do that. And uh, this week, Mike Pence had the courage to say, President Trump is wrong. I believe he said exactly those words in terms of whether or not the vice president has the power under the Constitution to do what Trump and his cohorts were trying to convince Mike Pence to do leading up to January 6th. So first kind of rift. Uh, it had been th- thought by a lot of folks that you would it, you couldn't separate Pence and Trump with a, a chainsaw, but here they were. Here there was a, a rift. Here there was blue sky between them, clear blue water, blue knickers between them, and... Um, It was a a fairly notable moment in the political week. Or so it seemed. This week, for the first time, the quiet part got said out loud. And for the former businessman turned former chief executive, loud wasn't loud enough. See, Don, you're 40-whatever years old. You still don't understand how toilet paper works. Dad, I'm, I'm not going to answer that specific allegation, but I know plenty... You don't know enough to get away from that crazy woman who yells in her sleep. Kimberly doesn't do that. This is what I'm saying. You don't get how to deal with criticism. You've been watching me for your whole life. Sometimes she just gets over-enthusiastic. You want poppy... You want people to stop saying things like that about her? You say, sure, she yells in her sleep because she's lying next to someone who's exciting as hell. See how that works? You Then they're just going to ask if I'm okay with that. Anyway, I just dropped by to see if you want to play around. It's a beautiful... See, Eric gets it. I'm amazed he does. I don't think he ever outgrew that stupid name. I told her, Eric is what you name a reindeer, not a Trump. So the haters keep saying I was trying to overturn the election... What did I do? That's a question, kiddo. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry, I didn't... At my big rally in that little nowhere in Texas... I missed that one. I, I said I was trying to overturn the election. Like I yelled it. So what's in the news? What I said, not what I was trying to do. That's how you do it. You embrace your crap. Scram, Junior. I may meet you in the seventh hole. Okay. Yeah. Uh, President Trump, I just wanted to... Ah, sounds like Mike Pence. Mike, they didn't hang you yet? (laughs) No, sir, still breathing normally. What the hell are you calling me about? I got better things to do with my time, like yelling at my son. Sir, I just thought uh, I owed you a courtesy call regarding my remarks this week. My son Don Jr. Eric, there's no use yelling at him. It's like yelling at a rock. Yeah, 
Yeah, I heard about your remarks. Fox ran with it for about half a day part. You called me wrong, right? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. In, in, the, in that particular context of what the vice president does and does not have the power to do. Mike, Mike, Mike. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> well, it, it, it sure seemed like... I was talking about an imaginary vice president. One with balls. Well, sir, I know we're going to disagree about that. Yeah, but... yeah, I think we are. Going to disagree about you getting me kicked out of the White House like a valet who stole the aftershave. And I recognize we may well be regarding each other as rivals as 2024 approaches. Mike? Yes, sir. What were you elected to again? Before I had the honor of being your running mate? Yeah, before the charity gig. <laughs> I was elected twice as governor of Indiana, sir. It was my high honor to... Indiana? That's where Chicago's sewage goes, right? <laughs> I have to admit there are a few summer days that... Uh... Well, anyway, sir, I just wanted to... You to know that my choice to speak uh, a bit of the truth at that Federalist Society event was nothing hostile. You could even see it as one of those moments when your loving adolescent son is struggling to leave home. You know, I wish I could see that for real. Don Jr. calls me every day still about whether the discount weekends at the hotel start at noon or 6 p.m. on Fridays. <laughs> well, sir... How about you start by calling me Mr. Still President? That would help. Of course, sir. I'm forever grateful for all I learned during those four years as you... My stand-in. <laughs> yeah, okay, Mike. Every night when I sit up wondering why I don't still run the world, I won't think of you. How's that? Of course, Mr. Still President, I understand. Well, give my regards to the, the Still First Lady. You should probably do it yourself. I never see the woman. Yes, sir. Take good care. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make getting even great again. Now, the beach is his boardroom. This week, the Mar Apprentice, living life out loud. And now... You're not going to believe what I'm going to read and share with you next. But it's it's legit. Why the bathroom is the final frontier of the smart home. It's by a marketing expert called Patrick Hearn. The bathroom, he says, holds a lot of potential for smart technology, but it needs to be the right technology. The idea of putting a device with a camera or microphone in the bathroom, (laughs) he calls it unsettling on a visceral level, as opposed to unsupportable, unbelievable. Wait, what was the cockwaffle? The guy said, the English guy? Cockwaffle. Something like that. But now Patrick Hearn writes... A smart speaker might earn a spot in a bathroom for playing music during a long bubble bath. But the majority of existing smart home technology doesn't fit in a bathroom. So what kind of smart tech would? Smart health and safety tech, he says. It's ground zero for any health-focused endeavors. 
So uh, smart scales have already made a place for themselves for the detailed health information they provide. Smart lights, good option for bathrooms. There are LEDs that are less likely to fracture from moisture on a hot bulb. Smart plugs, they're great for their ability to ensure hair straighteners and other appliances are turned off. So what kind of smart devices are left? He says, not many, but you can't forget about bidets and smart toilets. Often they overlap. Bidets are common across the rest of the world. They haven't quite caught on on in the West. A bidet can be quite the experience if you aren't expecting it, he says. So why haven't they caught on here? According to the founder and chief creative officer of Tushy, I said the founder and chief creative officer of Tushy, quote, The biggest challenge with widespread bidet adoption in the U.S. is definitely the cultural stigma. Why not call it a stigma and not a tushy? Other cultures have been using bidets for centuries, but we've been led to believe that toilet paper does the job. And she goes on about saving trees. Toto, not the character from um, the film, but a company, Uh, comes up with an answer to the question posed by the article. How about a toilet that analyzes your poop and tells you what's wrong with your diet? Toto proposed a conceptual wellness toilet early last year that would provide users with health advice based on what they flushed. Uh, If your toilet gathered that information for you, so you could just show the app to your doctor, and he'd go, ugh. No, it might eliminate the need for uncomfortable visits to small rooms with plastic containers, Patrick Hearn writes. The fact that even discussing the uses of technology in the bathroom makes many people uncomfortable is just another hurdle that must be overcome if smart home technology is going to take over every room of the home. Yeah, and if not, he continues, a lot of good can come from smart technology, Imagine a smart toilet and a smart scale that work together with each other. You could start a muscle-building regimen and track your body composition on the scale and how accurately you were hitting your macros on the toilet. If smart home technology is going to take over every room of the home, then we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Smart bathroom technology can even be used to reduce water usage. Smart showers... Make it easier to achieve the perfect temperature each and every time until it's hacked and then it's ridiculously hot when you uh, while smart water valves reduce overall flow without impacting cleanliness. Smart whip mirrors can display weather information, the news and more while you get ready, although the same he acknowledges can be accomplished with a smart display in another room. But a smart toothbrush can help you attain better oral health. Mm -hmm. All right, then. Good try, Bob. Patrick Hearn on the smart bathroom. It's a copyrighted feature of this very program right here, the one you're listening to. And and there was a little room there from a podcast sidekick to... uh, Giggle and say something funny. But now, I just want to say one word to you. Just 
One word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Sure. Love it. Changes in diet and exercise do not fully explain the steep rise in overweight and obesity over recent decades, according to Medical News Today. One theory claims that chemicals and everyday plastic products promote weight gain by changing human metabolism. New study finds that a range of plastic household items contain thousands of chemicals, many of them unknown. Uh, they'll be preserved at the tomb of the unknown, unknown chemicals. One-third of the items contain chemicals that, after extraction, caused the growth and proliferation of mouse fat cells in the lab. Chemicals in plastic household items such as drinks, bottles, yogurt, pots, and freezer bags may be contributing to the new global epidemic of obesity. According to a new study, they may alter human metabolism by promoting the growth of fat cells, adipocytes. According to the World Health Organization, the number of people with obesity has nearly tripled globally since 1975. Bet a lot of them aren't in the Southern Hemisphere. The WHO estimates that in 2016, more than 1.9 billion adults were overweight. More than 650 million had obesity. But wait, there's more. Plastic breaks down into microplastics, as you know, and even smaller nanoplastics. Researchers now confirm the presence of microplastics in the placenta and in newborns. This is humans we're talking about. The possible effects of nano and microplastics on children's health and development intensifies interest in this topic. It's quite possible children are more exposed to microplastics than adults, similar to children's greater exposure to many other environmental toxic chemicals. That's uh, according to Cam Sripada, a neuroscientist, unlike Joe Rogan, and uh, with the new Norwegian University of Science and Technology. He's the first author of an article in Environmental Health Perspectives that surveys what various researchers have found out about nano and microplastics so far and their connection with pregnancy and children's health. The group makes recommendations for researchers, authorities, industry, and parents, and maybe podcasters, too. Quote, no one knows exactly how much microplastic a child ingests, but several studies now suggest that today's children absorb microplastics in their bodies as early as at fetal age. This is concerning, says Rupata. The group found a total of 37 different articles about nano and microplastics in conjunction with pregnancy and childhood. But research is lacking on children's exposure levels at school in neonatal wards and through breast milk, breast milk substitutes, and baby care products. The scarcity is part due to the limitations of current technology for researching very small particles. But he says, says Martin Wagner, an associate professor of biology at uh, the same university in Norway, what we do know is that from the time we are in our mother's womb and throughout childhood, we we're especially exposed to environmental toxic chemicals as well as the nano and microplastics, he says, children do not have a fully developed immune system and are a very important phase of their brain development. This makes them particularly vulnerable. No, that's Cam Serpata, the first person we quoted. 
Parents can reduce the amount of plastic that children are exposed to in several ways. Sewing their mouths shut? I would not recommend it. When particles end up in household dust, children may come in contact with them through crawling and playing on the floor. They then put their ch- fingers in their mouths. Rapata says it's almost impossible to prevent children from ingesting plastic, but parents could try by trying. And one um, place microplastics turn up, unexpected, since many people would have thought, that's so over. The U.N. Environmental Program and World Health Organization this week announced a partnership aimed at raising awareness on the environmental and health impacts of microplastics in cigarette butts. That is the most discarded waste item worldwide, it turns out. The uh, Environment Program and uh, the World Health Organization are launching a social media campaign to highlight the issue. Maybe something like Smokey the Bear? Jimmy the Polar Bear? No. The partnership is facilitated through uh, the Environment Program's Clean Seas Campaign. It's a global coalition of of 63 countries devoted to ending marine plastic pollution. Globally, Tom? Globally. Hmm? Globally. Right. More than six trillion cigarettes... Six trillion? Yeah. ...are produced annually... Each containing filters or butts that are mainly composed of microplastics known as cellulose acetate fibers. However, cigarettes, butts that are not properly disposed of get broken down by factors such as sunlight and moisture. That releases microplastics. Heavy metals. Yeah! And many other chemicals which impact ecosystems, health, and services. Cigarette butts account for more than 766 million kilograms of toxic trash each year, it sounds like a lot, but they're kilograms. They're also the most common plastic litter on beaches, making marine ecosystems more susceptible to microplastic leakages into the marine environment. When ingested, the hazardous chemicals in microplastics cause long-term mortality in marine life, including birds, fish, mammals, plants, plants, and reptiles. They also enter the food chain, associated with serious human health impacts, such as changes to genetics, brain development, respiration rates, and more. The social media campaign will aim to engage influencers, as well as the environment programs, goodwill ambassadors, and young champions of the earth. We'll also include a political advocacy angle by highlighting a European Union directive that requires all tobacco products with plastic filters to be clearly labeled. The And now I'm quoting, the secretariat of the WHO has the technical expertise of the impact on, of tobacco products on not just human health, but also on environment. We aim to highlight how our health is intrinsically linked to that of our planet. And I was quoting the chief of public advocacy of the UN Environment Program, a person by the name of My hand is upraised, ladies and gentlemen. A person by the name of Atif Butt. That's why I shared that. Yes, of course it's why I shared that article with with you. I, I repeat, I don't write them. And finally, the... 
founder of Hillsong Church in Melbourne, Australia, is stepping down from all ministry responsibilities. He's got to prepare to vigorously defend against Australian police charges that he concealed sex abuse of a young man in the 1970s. Yes, it's news of the godly. Why do you ask? In August, the 67-year-old Brian Houston, founder of Hillsong Church, was charged with concealing child sex abuse by his late father, Frank. These allegations came as a shock to me, and it's my intention to vigorously defend them, he said in a statement on Hillsong's website. Houston founded the church, that's the dad, in Australia, along with his wife, Bobby, in 1983 in Sydney, and now has churches in 30 countries with a global weekly attendance of 150,000. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen. A copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it would be just like Joe Rogan apologizing again if you'd agree to join with me then. But you already, thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program a chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts. And the playlist of the music you hear here, all at harryshare.com. And there's so much more there, so much more. I can't tell you how much more there is, so I'm not going to. And uh, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans. And please take your weather back. <laughs>